Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. Well, as I said, uh, happy Mother's Day to everyone at the beginning, but I just wanted to highlight a special group to see if anyone's here in that category. If anyone is currently pregnant, if you are with child, would you please stand? Anyone here? A few of you, great, nice, awesome, wonderful. Did the people around you already know? Or was this the big unveil? It was a good, good teamwork. Well, congratulations and wonderful. So in the first reading today is, uh, we've been journeying through this book in the Bible called the Acts of the Apostles. We started at Easter and we go all the way up until a few weeks from now is Pentecost Sunday, where we celebrate when the Holy Spirit finally came upon the apostles and through them flooded the whole people of God who became the church because of the Holy Spirit. And it's an interesting book of the Bible because it's actually volume two. Right? The first volume is the Gospel of Luke, and then he wrote a second volume known as the Acts of the Apostles. So it's a two-volume work. And in the reading today we have from the Acts of the Apostles, we have something very strange, and I didn't understand it. And so if you've been here this couple months, you've noticed that Father Mark Ott has been here on the weekends helping out a couple masses every weekend to help me out. And he's the scripture scholar at the seminary. He's in charge of the department which I've really enjoyed because I wait until Saturday afternoon for my homily, and when he arrives, we have a cup of coffee, and I ask him a bunch of questions about the scriptures. He gives me answers, and then I have a homily. It works well every week. <laughs> so this week, all right, I read the first reading, and there was something strange in it, and I'll get to that in a moment, and I thought, I, don't, I can't make sense of this. Oh, Father Mark will be here in a couple days. So I was waiting. He gets here yesterday afternoon, and I say, hey, Father Mark, I have a question. He goes, you always do. And uh, I <laughs> said, uh, in that first reading, what's with the, the Holy Spirit coming later and all this stuff? And he goes, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I was like, you're the guy. He's like, I'm like, you went to Rome for like five years. He's like, I don't know. I'm like, you actually wrote your doctorate on the Acts of the Apostles. He's like, I'm telling you, Scripture scholars don't really know. So this is what the confusing thing is, all right? Philip is preaching, and he's sharing everyone the good news of Jesus. So he's trying to help them understand why Jesus is a gift that helps you step into the glory of your own identity and become fully alive. And he's doing it in a compelling way because those who are hearing are leaning in. They want to know this guy, Jesus, who's risen from the dead and is now Lord. And as they draw close, he begins to pray with them and over them in the name of Jesus. And we have some evidence here of exorcisms, peoples with demons being cast out. Then we have physical healings happening, paralytics, deaf, being able to be made whole. In essence, God of the universe is showing himself to be a father who wants to restore his sons and daughters to their original goodness. And it's all happening. But then it says this weird line. So that's all exciting. We like that part. Right? But it says, and yet they still hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. So the other apostles had to come, and they had to pray over them and lay their hands on them, and then they received the Holy Spirit. 
So it seems a little strange. Miracles, power, faith, glory, healing, restoration, but no Holy Spirit yet. I don't know about you, I, I think I would have been tempted to be content with all that. You can keep the Spirit, this is awesome. And yet in the mind of the church, in the desires of God, was that, oh no, the greatest gift was still to come. The greatest gift was the Holy Spirit. And this is strange, but I think the more I sat with it last night, because Father Mark was of no help, so last night the more I sat with it, the more I realized is I think this is what you and I can get, kind of fall into a rut with. We can reduce the glory and power of the faith to simply sin management. All right, so we want freedom from so we go to confession, many of us, which is great to do. If it's been a while, you're always welcome. But we go to confession, all right, okay, and we get freedom from sin. And maybe you look back five years ago, ten years ago, and there was a sin in your life then that just isn't a part of it now. You've worked out of it, or it's certainly not as much. You've grown. And I guess like, well, good. Freedom from sin, freedom from evil, freedom from brokenness, all really good. But we don't realize that the best part of the faith, that's necessary, but the best part of the faith is freedom for something. And when you don't know what the for is, you lose some of the energy and momentum to keep working on the freedom from stuff. The freedom for, put succinctly, is life led by the Holy Spirit. So, what is the Holy Spirit that makes this such good news? The Holy Spirit is the very love between the Father and the Son in the Trinity. So the Father and Son share a love that is a person, that's weird, but it's God, is a person known as the Holy Spirit. Which means when the Holy Spirit came upon them, not only were beforehand they were freed from things, now they discovered what they were alive for. They were alive to share in the very love of God. Now lest that's become banal to you or you hear it too much, let me put it this way. Nearly everything you and I do in our life is some way to be loved. All right. The clothes you wore in some level, you wanted to look good or pretty or at least not homeless this morning because you wanted to be seen in a favorable light. And the bare minimum, you wanted to be thought favorably of. That's a low category of love, but still love. Some of the greatest pains in your life story are where you wanted to be loved really well and you weren't. And it hurt deeply and immensely. It's because the core of who you and I are is a cry to be loved. When the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, each member of the church begins to recognize, I am special, not just to mom and dad, not just to son and daughter, brother, sister, friends, classmates, people at work, people in the world. I'm actually sensing in growing that I'm special to God. The creator of the stars looks on you as if you were the only one and says, I'm wild about you. 
I can't ever leave you alone. This is why in the Gospels, Jesus says, I won't leave you as orphans. To be an orphan in the first century was to be near death. You had no access to people who would spend their hard work, their time and energy for you. And so to be adopted was to be saved. To be welcomed into a home where people said, all we have is now yours because we want you to flourish. What Jesus says, I don't leave you as orphans, what he's saying is, because my Father God is adopting you by name. You are now in his family. You're now special to God. This is why the freedom from all these things is important because there are places in us that block us from receiving love. But once there starts to be freedom, underneath these places is still a human heart that's begging and longing and needing. Do you love me? Do you see me as good? Am I a gift? Does my life matter to you? And of course, if we keep taking it to human beings only, in some groups, yes, in some groups, no. Maybe someone's having a bad day. They won't be able to look at you with love and give you time. Maybe someone just doesn't like you. That will shatter that part of the heart. Unless we realize that's the place that the Holy Spirit has been wanting to go since your baptism and wants to bring you new life. We're freed for sharing in the very life of God. So, real quickly, I want to connect now the Holy Spirit to mothers. Moms are a particular icon of the Holy Spirit. Icons are windows, not doors. Doors, you're stuck. You can't get anywhere. Windows help you see. So mothers help us see some of the activity of the Holy Spirit. Here's the first thing the Holy Spirit can and does in our lives. Tends to affirm and nurture the gifts that are in you. Each one of you has been given gifts by God that no one else has. First and foremost, yourself. No one is you. No one will ever be you. No one has ever been you. You're a gift, an unrepeatable image of God. But the Holy Spirit helps nurture those things and brings them to life. So you have confidence in not only your gifts, but in sharing them. Everyone knows moms are great at nurturing. Most moms are incredibly talented at naming these gifts. And when a kid gets down on themselves and isn't perfect, they root and they're rooting and celebrating the littlest things. In fact, a lot of wives I know are always correcting the husbands to be more like this. Right? This is a little window into what the Holy Spirit is like in our lives. Awakening, nurturing, celebrating, and drawing forth gifts that are in you. The second one is that the Holy Spirit is known as the comforter. When you get hurt as a kid, mom's lips are magical. Apparently, they have a healing balm that Johnson & Johnson can't figure out. Right? You have a boo-boo, mom kisses it, it is better, even if it's still broken and cut. It doesn't even magically, physically heal, but the pain behind it seems to dissipate because you're not alone in your pain you're loved by mom. Same to the Holy Spirit. Oftentimes, broken relationships are placed in our life that are unfinished. When the Holy Spirit comes upon us, they can still remain broken and unfinished, but they're pervaded by love. There becomes a blessed reassurance 
Things are going to get better. We're on the right path. Even though there's still brokenness, there's an undercurrent of hope. And finally, every good mom at some point, and these are good moms, every good mom at some point looks at their kid and says, get out of the house. You did it. Great job. You're, we believe in you. You've got the gifts. you got the skills. It's time. Go for it. Enter into the world. Live your life. Go on mission. Have an adventure. Go for it. Dad and I are here for you. Go out there. Go. Because they know that to stay at home is to hinder their kid's greatness. Their kid was not created to simply be a son and daughter, but eventually husband and wife, co-worker, fellow citizen, member of the household of God. They have other identities that need to grow and develop. At the right time, of course, you're not going to kick a kid out while they're still growing, but there's a time where moms say, go. Same to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit commissions us, sends us forth, puts us on mission in this world that we would bring the very life and love of God that's in our hearts to workplaces. Right? to public settings, to friends in school, to hobbies, to grocery stores, to restaurants, that we would be very the eyes and heart of Christ for a world that's so lonely. In short, moms give us a window into the way God acts that is unique and essential, and that's why even as a church, we celebrate moms.